Welcome to Auckland Conversations, ideas for becoming the world's most livable city. So, smart cities. Um, I guess the first thing to think about is what is it and what is it not. And uh, one of the things I find interesting is the label itself is as broad as it's long. I talk to a hundred folk about it and they'll give me a hundred different definitions or what they think it's going to mean. And that in itself is a pretty unhelpful thing. I think uh, if you leave big, wide, open space available, it becomes a playground for anybody who's got an idea to sell. And uh, while that's their job, we've, we've got to make sure we're clear what we want. I think as, as we're seeing massive change through the technical side of these things particularly, there's a real risk that we're going to get all excited about bright, shiny things and play the magpie game rather than really deliver valuable things that, that work for us. So as I think about what does uh, um, smart cities really mean, for me it's all about putting the citizenry, the stakeholders, the interest groups, the business of Auckland in the centre. If we've got the people of Auckland really deeply embedded in the way we think about what smart cities are, about what it's going to mean for them, and if we're indexing against that on every little thing we do, whether it's uh, monitoring the environment and feeding that information through, investing in smart infrastructure to ensure that we have the capacities and the flow that we need, uh, investing in technology around rating and billing and customer information and libraries and things. If we've got the citizenry and the stakeholder groups and the business groups firmly locked in why we're doing those things, then I think we've got a good chance of getting it right. If we just get excited about the tech, we're going to flame out and burn. So for me, it's about enabling, empowering, and informing the public on the choices that they can make on how they live in Auckland, on how Auckland's being monitored, on how it's developing, and on how we're able to advise them and them us. It's a two-way street, not a one-way street. And as a vision, it's a pretty simple thing. And what's probably key in amongst all of those words, there's not a single tech bit amongst it. We are going to do a bunch of tech stuff. Automated cars will come, connected cars will come, uh, there will be sensors delivered everywhere because they can be and data mountains will continue to grow and we'll continue to worry about how to, how to analyse those. Um, but at the end of the day, we've really got to make sure we've, we've got ourselves locked on what our, our citizenry have. Things are changing and we've had a lot of things change out there. If you go back a few years, playing online meant something else. Um, but if you, if you look now, we've got whole communities out there wandering around the real world looking for something that actually doesn't exist. Um, and seemingly having a great time and occasionally wandering into some of our wonderful power poles. Um, so, but the point is, the environment has moved, people are able to do things we've never done before, the networks are there for those things to work in parks and wherever else. We're also in the middle of a great opportunity opportunity and you know we're working through the the impacts of the work of the and the final calls on the unitary plan but what we know for sure is we've got a population right now of about 1.5 million it's going to grow by 700,000 to a million folk over the next 
30 years. And if you take the top end of that range, you're going to go from 1.5 million to 2.5 million. We're going to have about 1.8 million of that 2.5 will be new Aucklanders. They'll either have been born since this day, emigrated here internally, or, or emigrated here for, from offshore. And a bunch of people, hopefully not us, will have died as well. And so we have this one-off opportunity to seize what is a huge ch challenge of growth and turn it into a huge opportunity on how we inform 1.8 million folk on how they can best live, live here. We can connect with them. We can make them part of a really connected community. I know May's going to speak after me, but May, I'm sure, will be speaking about the challenge of diversity. We know we're one of the most diverse cities in the world. We're massively more diverse than the rest of New Zealand. What that chart shows, and I'll test you on it afterwards, um, you don't need to read what all the bars are, but each of the colours on that graph are different ethnicities across the local board areas. And the key point is not only are we diverse compared to the rest of NZ, we're massively diverse just amongst ourselves. And that's not just diverse in terms of where we've come from. We are a truly diverse city of multinationalities, therefore multi-languages. Unlike many other parts of the world, we're not multilinguistic. So we've got whole sections of our society whose first tongue is not one that many of us can communicate with, with easily. So there's opportunities for us to think, as we think, how do we connect? As we think, how do we convey what it is to live here, what's expected of us when we do, what are the rules of this place at both a strict rule sense but also the way we be, to do that in, 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 in tongues that enable people to understand that rather than be ignorant and be contained into smaller communities that they, they'll struggle to break from. So there's an awful lot that we, we can do, do, do with those. So the growth of Auckland, the complexities of Auckland. The cool thing is there's a bunch of stuff that's there if we really open our minds and engage in it that we can pick up on and work through. There's a whole bunch of obvious building blocks. As I said, we will get hung up in the tech. There's a whole lot of hard connections. There are networks required. Um, and we can leave the market mostly to deliver most of that. We, we, our role, in, uh, much of this in my mind, is to facilitate, open the minds, open the hearts and enable what we want to see across Auckland. But most of these things are commercial things. But things are cha changing fast. If you look at the hard connections uh, and the data mountain that supports that, um, an interesting stat that I read re recently is something north of 80% of the data in the world was created in the last 12 months. So if you assume it's going to be worse again this time next year, we're building data mountains that only stunningly good tools will be able to pull really good information out. And the challenge for us, given we're relatively crap at this, is to really get good at it and enable the market around us to help us to deliver sensational information. One of the things that's driving the massive uh, data mountain is the fact that sensors have dropped in price phenomenally. And so the ability to put sensors you'll see out there on the NEC stand, I think it is, they're kite and that's a uh, 
open an interface to enable many sensors to connect into a backbone. Um, but the point is there are just lots of sensors. I've got sensors on my cell phone, I've got sensors on my iPad, I've got sensors on my watch. Interestingly, they all think I walk different lengths each day, so they're obviously not all spot on. Um, and I played golf on the week weekend and it came back and told me I'd ridden my bike for 12K, which I thought was outstanding. I don't own a bike. Um, <laughs> the, um, however, the point is there's stuff monitoring us every minute of the day, whether we want it or we don't. The question just is, what are we going to do about it and, and how are we going to use that? An example of how the sensors are starting to drive the data mountain is another stat I read recently. The Google Car six years ago, it cost around 300,000 bucks to put the sensors into the Google Car to enable the Google Car to be an autonomous Google Car. Those same sensors today are about a thousand bucks and they probably can do a whole lot more. So the collapse in the price uh, it means the pr proliferation of these things are just going to extrapolate in a massive way the data mountain is only going to get bigger. What we need to do is work out what matters to us and, 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 and how we're going to use that. So the hardware -y stuff is interesting. It's going to occur anyway, and people like R Roger, who you'll hear from today in tra transport, is doing things about that. With CCTV, there'll be, you know, the traffic lights will continue to become more smart. Uh, the control centres we have will continue to be better informed, better able to predict. The trick, the thing that we don't have is the way that we connect with the 1.5 to 2.5 Aucklanders and know them all personally. We think we do. We think we actually have quite good relationships. But I can tell you, I, other than I'm on the payroll, I don't think Auckland City knows me at all. I don't have a library card. Oh, I do have a hot card. I do have a house, but that's owned by trust. Um, so my point is that we think we have a connection, but uh, to me it's vague, and to my wife and kids it's zero. And that parallel will be there across a whole range of things. The trick for us now is to work out how to get that really personal connection in a way that respects privacy, where the people want to lean in and be part of that, where we can share what we've got and let that that data proliferate and, and, and allow the opinions to, to come. So that requires us to do a whole lot more than just the hard connections. We need to do the soft connections too. And part of the uh, important role that we play in that is we just got to accept we're just going to be a dot on the chart. Because I think historically we tend to see ourselves as the pyramid by which the information flows. The moment we think we're going to control this, we are probably, as most government agencies, the least likely to do that well. We will control the privacy stuff. We'll probably club it to, to death, actually. Um, but we really need to be part of this community and enabling many-to-many -many conversations, one-to-one -one conversations, two-way conversations, enabling the data to flow, the information to flow, and for us to engage with our communities in a really deep way. So cities generate the, the data out there. That needs to be translated in, in, into information, and there are many people around us who can. But for people around us to help us with that, we have to really deeply commit to an open data standard that means we're not controlling this. We've controlled the right things. The rest of it's out there. 
that information then can help us and our community make really good calls and help us prioritise things, and then the action can be done, which means an and action that the community's asked for, that we've, that we've agreed needs to be done, which will reduce some of the debate afterwards. Um, I talked about the, uh, the, incident, the census. If you look at that graph there, and I will test you on that because that bottom line's quite hard to read even here, but they're years, and the bottom end of that graph where it's just starting to slope is around uh, 2010, but then it shoots on up to about now. But what the point just is the sheer proliferation of things that are connected to the networks that enable data to be collected and therefore us to do something with that, like the data mountain is on an exponential shot up. In fact, it's fast becoming not exponential, it's just becoming up. Um, and so us being able to work out how to use that, what matters to us, is going to be key. So for me, it's about what can we Im imagine. And I think you know we, we tend to get all excited about transporty things like automated cars and connected cars. And you know there's a great experiment going on in Ann, Ann Arbor right now where all I've done is chuck a $100 device into the cars, which means the cars are all connected. They're able to sense each other. You're still driving along still listening to the radio and have the kids in the back advising you. Um, but what the connectedness does is that they, they are sensing what's going on, the speeds and all of those things, and the device shouts at you, you should stop now, turn left or do something. Their road accidents have reduced by 85% just as a consequence of the 100 buck box. Um, and their flow of their city has changed dramatically. And so there are lots of things that are going to come in very smart ways, the way we monitor our network, you know, our REMU team do a fantastic job of monitoring things, but you can see as the sensors develop and become cheaper and cheaper, our ability to monitor real time all the time and get really good feedbacks on you know, streams at every part of the stream and, as, and, and work out what's been introduced. All of those things, our ability to keep the environment the way we want it to will just continue to grow. So for me, as I think about it, um, the sort of things that you could do if, you, if the city was smart and if we knew everybody. So you, I'm thinking of moving to Auckland. How, how many of you have moved here rather than were born here? It's usually a, a large group. It's not too many genuine, genuine, genuine Aucklanders who are born here, are there? But anyway, um, if, if you've moved here, you know what it's like. You come here, you've either got your job sorted, your school sorted, or your house. You may have all three, but you probably thought as you were jumping on the plane or drove up here, or flew in here, that you were moving to a place. You've been here about three weeks and you've worked out, oh God, it's lots of pl places. And in my case, I've ended up in Browns Bay in a new street. Um, five of the neighbours I had had got their kids into school had their wives settled in, everything was going great, brand new home, work was in Manukau. Um, not the most exciting choice they made and only one of them moved again. Um, because once they've got the kids and the wife settled in, darling, we're moving again is not the conversation that's going to be had at home. So imagine our ability to know, uh, to create the data so that people could come in to a website or an app or whatever and say, look, I'm moving to, to Auckland, this is what I know. So whether it's their school or the amenities they want or 
their place they've decided to live or their job, then we could easily, in map-type format, advise them what the best schools are from the location they've picked, uh, if, they've, if they've picked the, their job, what homes they could look at buying in a sensible way that would give them a up to 15-minute bike ride and up to 30-minute PT commute on a single transport leg. We've got the opportunity to, if we engage with people one-to-one -one and they tell us who they are, to give them a whole lot back so long as we build all of that. That does require us to behave in a really trusted way. But then you think about that, so cool, so we now know who Jim Quinn is. He's moved here. He's made those options. In my case, I chose green higher than the end. So the second thought is I'm, I'm waking up and, I've, and my alarm clock goes off, which happens to be my phone, and it says to me, you've been using the car the last uh, four or five weeks. If you're using the car today, the northern is buggered. Um, so you could ca catch a bus, you could do these things, you could go back to sleep, you could go around the western, which will take you 48 minutes at this time of day, yada, yada, yada. And it could advise you all of those things based on what's there. We could be doing it now. If I say I'm going to use my car, it could say, well, it's going to take you 48 minutes to get to work, but um, there are two folk on your way to work who will take you out of your way by five minutes who are registered to ride. They've got similar interests to you. They're available now. Would you like to pick them up? So I'd go, yeah. And the advantage for me is that now takes me up the T3 lane and in my case would save me about 15 minutes anyway. So my point just is if we start building the data and we then and, and the people commit because there's advantage for them, then we can really deliver new things to, to them in a really cohesive and seamless way. In the, South, in the Southern Initiative, we've launched a thing called uh, It's Noon. You can go and have a look at itsnoon.com. It's led by a man who may be here, Ronaldo. Um, and this is a project that had been done in Brazil. It's been going over there for some time. We've been doing it a pretty low-key, small way in South Auckland. I'll show you a slide from that. But what I'd like to see us do is to build that up into a community-wide thing. What it is is it's a, a community ability for people to, a bit like the Big Brainstorm is doing for us internally, for people to raise calls, to raise ideas, to raise concerns, and for us to be able to us being us if we want to, or the community itself, to then debate that idea, hone that idea, respond to that idea, prioritise that idea with some currency. Because as we all know, the Facebook like is interesting, but it's a pretty casual and not thought through view. Let's get people to prioritise things. But it enables us to get, whether it's at a local board level, at a local community level, or at a across Auckland level, deep discussion going on and enabling those things to come to a head. So how could that be used for us? If you imagine five years ago if we'd been able to write to every individual in Auckland and advise them exactly how the proposed unity plan was going to affect their house, their rentals, their place of work, the amenities around their community. Yes, the full book is here, but here's the bits that apply to you and your neighbour might get a different set of books. Similarly, um, the long-term plan, we've got a lot we need to work through and we need those things tested on the, the way through. The ability to enrol the full 1.5 million and have those debates growing in a way that society is able to engage in a more deep, deep way. 
I guess the, the last example to me, if you imagine a world where, and we have an example of it now, now but the, the Pokemon Go is a similar thing. But if you think about po Pokemon Go, you could easily be uh, bringing uh, parts of Auckland to life uh, with virtual reality where you're standing down at the end of Britomart there and able to look through your phone and it re-landscapes it in front of you to explain how Britomart Fort used to be, uh, where the, the coastline was back in the day, whatever years it is. So you could bring the history of Auckland alive and get the community engaged in that just by using the, the AR, the, 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 the VR stuff. The point is there's a lot of things we, we could do. It's not going to be easy. And I think the thing I'd really like to assure you of is we're doing lots of stuff. And so um, examples of that where uh, Dean and the team have been delivering new core, that's a vital building block of data enabling the council to engage with the community in a more accurate and consistent way. It will become part of the data the, appropriately that we can share in the, as we open our data up. Um, Consenting made easy similarly as a subset of that. We've re re recently looked new, uh, launched new booking s systems which are enabling the communities to engage with us in a more transparent and open way. We've just launched a Ford Works view Viewer which enables the infrastructure communities to advise when they're planning to do things in an, an open way. And the next step would be to then to take that info to the community so they know what's going to occur at different t times. We're part of the government commitment to the open data. Um, and you know, I know Remu ha have a policy of, of open data now. We're doing a huge amount of monitoring through Remu, through water care, through storm water. We've got CCTV projects in Wynyard and uh, through the transport network. We've got our Auckland Transport Operational Centre enabling the roads to flow, enabling us to uh, take better control as we invest in newer technology, the ability to influence the, that'll ch change. There's all sorts of environmental work already underway, smart metering, solar work. And of course, in the communities, we've got Grid, Grid AKL, we've got the Southern Initiative, just launched or launching the ARVR uh, program through ATED. Um, we've got incubators out there enabling technology to have a go. Um, so my point just is I think pe people think we've sort of stuck and we aren't doing much. We aren't labelling everything smart city because that would be weird. A hell of a lot of that is BAU. It's what we should do. What we should be confident of is we're doing a lot. What we should be confident of is we've got whole bunches of folk are interested. And the other thing I'm really trying to drive right now is a is getting a, we've got a whole bunch of folk who work for us who are graduates, cadets, and all sorts of young folk who are naturally digital, digitally native. Getting them to operate as a cohort and to challenge our thinking, because I do sit in rooms trying to think through digital Auckland and smart Auckland and find that most of us in the room are older than me, nothing wrong with age, but I'm, not, I'm almost certain we're not the ones that get the digital stuff as well as some of the young ones. So we need to get that energy flowing uh, and on how they expect the community to, to engage because they know what they're comfortable with as we look ahead. And they have quite different views, as you know, on what the privacy lines are. And that doesn't mean we should just relax them, but we should at least understand them. So look, we're doing a lot. What I'd ask of you is to 
challenge us. So I think we need, we need to challenge ourselves. We need to continue to commit to trying things. I think it's okay to have a go and do a small thing. So long as we go into these things with a mindset of it's going well, we'll scale it and we'll continue to go. It's going okay, we'll modify it and it'll continue to go. It's crap, we'll kill it. And so long as we're really clear we'll do all three of those, then having a go at things, continuing to see where they'll go, because the joining of the data afterwards is actually the easy bit. The hard bit is to get all of this information growing, making sure it's accurate, getting the processes around it right. If we've got that right, then the, the rest will flow. So opening our data ch channels up to the community, encouraging the di digital natives within the group, but also outside the group to ch challenge us with new ideas, um, having the attitude that we're going to enable all of this to occur, and vitally allowing the market around us to deliver it. We are probably not the right people to deliver quite a large chunk of where the excitement will be. But we can be the people that enabled it, and we can be the people that enabled our community to get the benefit from that. Thank you, and I look forward to, to discussing it more with you through, th through the day. Cheers. You've been listening to the podcast of Auckland Conversations, brought to you by Auckland Council and our sponsors Jib and Resine. For more information, visit our website, conversations.aucklandcouncil.govt.nz. Auckland Conversations is proudly produced by Tandem Studios. 